0: Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast, where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist.
0: Welcome, Compounding World. Thank you for joining in our latest episode of The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. Before we kick things off today, I would like to really thank all of our listeners out there for the tremendous support to those that have subscribed and have listened to almost all of our episodes that we've uploaded thus far. We've seen a tremendous response from both a download perspective and from those that are truly following us and we hope that you appreciate the information and the guests that we've had on this podcast. And with that being said, uh, we're extremely excited today because we are joined by a PCCA member along with his marketing representative and that gentleman and lovely lady here is Steve Hoffert and Haley Calavo from Magnolia Pharmacy. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for the warm welcome. This is going to be a really cool episode. You guys came all the way to PCCA. You're obviously in the Houston area. You decided to drive in, and now you're in our fancy studio. And this is a great opportunity to not only talk about your experience, uh, not from only marketing, but from really how you came to be a PCCA member. But most importantly, we're going to talk about the relationship that you guys have as both a marketing representative and a pharmacy owner. Uh, In my opinion, this is going to be a continuation of episode three, where we had Aaron Michael talk freely on compounding. And Aaron has always been an expert in the realm of of marketing. But more importantly, she's focused and she's been working together with a lot of our marketing specialists in the field, both through our marketing and sales symposium, but also in her experience in the field. And what's made that so incredible is that we are here today with somebody who's been a marketing representative for eight years. And we're going to talk a lot about your history, so I'm not going to give you the full bio, Steve. I think we're going to probably get into a lot of the questions and, and talk more about your background. But like I said, welcome. I'm obviously here to join with Sebastian as well, so welcome, Seb. Oh, man,
2: it's always good to be back, and we've got just the best guests in the studio today. I'm super excited about this episode.
0: So, like I said, guys, thanks so much for joining us. So, I guess before we kick things off, Steve, um, you've been a member for quite some time. Talk to me about your experience, how you kind of came into compounding, and um, what PCCA has meant to you.
1: Sure. When... uh... When we opened up in 2002, I did a business plan with my mentor, and I always knew I wanted to do traditional pharmacy. Um, but he said, it may be a good idea if you look into this company in Houston called PCCA. Um, I will just tell you, I think where pharmacy going, especially traditional practice, it may not pay the bills down the road. And you might want to look at something like compounding for two purposes. One is an, inc- an, inc- an income stream, But more importantly, it is a unique way to practice, to customize medications for patients and do some really outside of the box things. So I looked into it, signed up with PCCA and actually we opened up the door from day one. We really didn't have a model to do any compounding whatsoever. We weren't out marketing it, had a little, probably a little 10 by 15 room at the biggest with one little counter and a little quasi powder containment hood. Um, And so that's kind of where it all started um, as far as that goes. But it's most compounders know you start doing a little bit of it and it starts tweaking your interest and you start learning. Next thing you know, it becomes a bigger part of your practice where today it's, it's become a rather large part of our practice.
0: And Haley, you joined the team in 2011. Yes. So I know Steve gave us a brief history of the pharmacy itself and how it's evolved. Um, how has your experience been working in this realm and, and calling on physicians and trying to build a brand image for Magnolia Pharmacy?
3: Oh man, I will say having a little bit of a marketing background helped me, but um, I will say as far as all the the science and the pharmacology, it's been a steep learning curve.
0: <laughs> so pharmacy was not your, your original background?
3: No, actually, um, I had a lot of more like real estate marketing and uh, just more like business development type background. So uh, coming to... The whole science side of things, you know, it was uh, really kind of exciting. And especially when you find some prescribers that are uh, really passionate about what they do, it kind of motivates you to like learn more. So I will say it, it has definitely been a, a very steep learning curve, especially in the first two years and just kind of learning how we operate and then, you know, making my marketing message, you know, um, consistent with that. So when we're, you know, out meeting with physicians, you know, they know exactly what to expect. And then, you know, the team back at the pharmacy is happy with the way I've communicated too. So, you know, I think that was probably initially what I had to work on the most was just kind of like preparing that message and making it consistent. And then also, um, you know, transitioning our brand into something that I think represented us a little bit better. So,
2: so you started in 2002 with your small pharmacy, and Haley didn't show up until 2011, 2012, and that's when she started, or sorry, 2011, and, and started getting tra- traction into 2012. What was the impetus to bring Haley on board? How did you find her? Where? W- explain that piece, because that's probably what everyone is going to be asking us right away.
1: So I'm a pharmacist. I'm not a marketer. <laughs> And the one thing so I've and I' one thing I've no learned, idea what you no, were doing. No. And the one thing I've learned is a pharmacist's brain is very different than a marketer's brain. Uh, we don't operate the same. We don't think the same. And so as hiring a marketer, that's been a challenge. But early on, we grew, and we grew a little bit. We weren't growing like large percentages. It was based upon what marketing, what I could do education wise for local practitioners, get outside of my area. Um, I would schedule a few lunches on my own, which once again, I'm the type, I'm not being good at told no. So if I would want to either call up a practitioner and say, hey, I'd like to come do lunch or educate you about hormones or some type of a dermatological uh, practice that we have, maybe we can help things. If they said yes, great, it was a home run. And most, couple of the bigger, uh, I would say, practitioners we work with, I just happened to catch them on the right day of the week where they told me, yes, I got to do a lunch and we developed that relationship. But a lot of those, a lot of times, it doesn't work like that. You're put on the back burner. So finally, after being told no enough time, we kind of peeked out with what I could do on my own time. That's what kind of put me down the road to say, okay, it's time to go look for somebody to help me grow my business, and through the things that I learned at PCCA, that next step was to hire a marketer.
0: Was there anybody who provided the advice to say, you know, it it is time to designate marketing to another individual? Was it something that was more financially related? Um, what brought you to, to to that decision aside from time?
1: Well, I, w- I would say attending some PCCA conferences and seeing other places had marketers, seeing some of the bigger pharmacies had those. And we were just at a point, too. And I mean, we were surrounded by a lot of other compounders. So it's like, what can you do to get your message out to say that, hey, this is who we are? And like Haley mentioned, create a consistent message so that whether I go to a practitioner that's in my backyard or. You know, we don't really get that far from our pharmacy, but even if we go market down the street, they know, oh, Magnolia Pharmacy, I remember seeing that, or, you know, you've done this, and we know your quality, or, hey, you brought in this speaker, so we know you're dedicated to education. That's been the big thing, but it was probably more that, and I just was at a point where I needed to grow the compounding side, and so hiring a marketer was the next step.
0: So, it's 2011, Um, you finally meet Haley, Haley's got more of a real estate marketing background, And now your obstacles are probably like, how am I going to educate her and get her up to speed so that she understands what we do? And how was that and how did it go in terms of a process?
1: Well, that's interesting. So first of all, just to make it easy, I had two choices in hiring a marketer. Number one was to hire somebody like a big pharma person who had already been doing it, that had been trained, that had a medical background. And I did look into that. But the problem I had was most of them have been shaped and molded by big pharma And I really didn't want that person representing me. Either one, they were shaped and already kind of molded how they were going to be. Or two, they were past their prime on the age curve in terms of being able to be shaped and molded. And they've been so, this is the way Big Pharma did it. It's one drug. It's like this. I was just really kind of concerned about taking somebody who already had that background and making them what I wanted them to be. So I'm not going to lie. The way I did it was I contacted all the uh, business schools in the greater Houston area and kind of Texas to look for a person with sales and marketing background, and it was my job to say, okay, once I get them on board, this is what I want. Um, I will just throw out right now, in hindsight, I'll know what I looked for at the time, but I would say to me, if there's three things right now that person has to have, and if you want to be successful, whether they have a sales and marketing background or just a person in general, whether it's a technician you pull from your staff, is one, they've got to be pretty smart. Um, And the next two are the most important. One, they've got to be a self-starter and a self-motivator. Because I'm not going to lie, that's part of my success story with Haley is I give her guidance. Um, Well, let's put it this way. I may put the lanes on the bowling alley, but she can bounce wherever she wants to bounce down the lane. Let's put it that way. But that's where, like you said, that's important. And then probably the most important for any marketer is they have to be a phenomenal relationship builder. That if there's any one thing, somebody can go in a doctor's office all day long. But when I go in offices with Haley and doctors come up and give her hugs and kisses and ask about how her child's doing and she asks how their child's doing, (laughs) I hate to say it, that's more important than the compounds we make, and that to me is what's key in terms of being successful with the marketer. So when I hired her, I figured she knew she probably knew how to sell the market, which I really don't know what that means. Like I said, I'm a pharmacist; I didn't go to business school. Um, so my the first thing that we did was is I got to tell her and educate her what compounding is. So I let her be in our lab a little bit, but I initially just sent her to C three because to me it was like. I know she's never going to compound, and yes, she can't go in our lab and do anything, but unless she really knows what goes on in that lab and can talk the talk about ointment mills and EMPs and C of As and quality of ingredients, she really can't do her job effectively. And so that was the first thing we did, which to me, probably some people will be like, well, that's a total waste of finances to do that. But to me, that's was a very smart thing to do. And then from there, it was just... Pick in conferences let's say we start out with bhrt so i would just send her to bhrt like i would send a practitioner one of my pharmacists and get her up to speed on the on the language once again i know she can't go out and give clinical advice and that type of stuff but she has to be able to somewhat hear what practitioners take in and then feed that back to me or my pharmacist so we can answer questions and provide it and you're right it, it's a pretty steep learning curve but that's the intelligent part they have to be somewhat smart enough to be able to do that
0: you brought up so many pearls um, <laughs> that within that little few minutes segment, and and the reason why I'm I'm going to highlight those those last few minutes is because one of the most, I guess you can say, common questions that we get from most individuals is where do I start? Not necessarily with building a marketing plan. I think we've addressed that in prior podcasts. I think that is daunting to say the least. But the hiring of personnel to manage the marketing efforts. So you gave. A few tidbits. One was the intelligence, the persona, the ability to establish relationships, the ability to handle the steep learning curve. Um, but I think something that stands out to me was that you were all in. You made an investment in an individual that yeah. was so new. Um, and it could have went either way, right? And, but you yeah. were you kind of followed your gut as well. And that's, that's hard to dictate to somebody who is trying to get on board and get a marketer up to speed, is that you made an investment. Immediate C3, centered to HRT. I'm assuming the marketing and sales symposium came yeah. afterwards. Uh, needless to say, Steve, I know I've commended you before the podcast, but Haley's been with you for eight years, so you've you've spent your money wisely, and your investment is obviously... Uh, in line with your business strategy and and it's worked out for you guys personally I think that's why we wanted to have you guys both on the podcast that is the primary reason why we wanted you guys to share your story is that there's so much success to be found and when it is a symbiotic relationship that works extremely well the proof is in the pudding we'll talk about your business growth in a sec I know Seb had a question and he wants to jump in but I wanted to commend you on all that because you obviously shared a lot and I wanted to be able to review a lot of those things that we get questions on that might resonate with a lot of our audience. So thanks for sharing those, those points that really stick out. So I, I'm gonna just jump in,
2: because you said allowing Haley to be a self-starter, or that's what you needed. And so I've seen Haley in action, and she's, it's more you unleash her onto the unsuspecting uh, healthcare world, and then she delivers uh, people back. But I'm actually gonna turn it to Haley and say, what was it like coming through a program you had nothing, you had no concept of, and you said it's a steep learning curve, and then how did you relay that information back, and get the information from Steve's team, so you could go and speak to the healthcare professionals?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think initially when I started, um, you know, it was easy to feel overwhelmed. We had 15,000 formulas. It was something not you know, a little foreign to me, but, um, I think I just kind of saw the passion in the pharmacy and everybody caring for all these, um, people and, and being able to give them options, um, when they didn't have any. And so I think I kind of saw Steve, Steve was in it 150% and I was too, you know, to try to get things off the ground initially. Cause I mean, if you know, a lot of, um, I think pharmacy owners think, oh, I'll hire this marketer and I can just you know, put this all off on him. But no, I mean, Steve and I communicate on a daily basis, maybe two to three times a day, sometimes, maybe more. Um, and he attends lunches and Skype meetings and f- gets on planes for me sometimes to meet some of these physicians. So I mean, it's n- at this point, you know, where we've grown it to um, you know, it's just as much him as it is me still. And I've been here eight years. So I think it's, if you guys have a, um, you know, mutual vision on where you want to grow your business and take it, um, it, it'll thrive because, um, I think, I think, I don't know. I, it just seemed like from day one, we both kind of really wanted the same things. I wanted to grow his business and he wanted it to, he wanted to see it grow as, equally and really to do that we really heavily relied on PCCA education. Um, I relied I relied on him, and I relied on you guys. I'd call um, consulting. I can't even tell you how many times a day when I first started as a marketer. (laughs) Just hopefully that I would call and um, get an answer, so then I'd at least sound like I had more of a plan by the time I talked to Steve after a physician had asked me a question. So, um, But, yeah, just very early off, that's kind of um, where we started. In the first six months, I actually attended a PCCA sales and marketing and at that six-month period, we'd already grown our business about 15% from compounding, just, just initially me getting out and sharing the word. So about, you know, hey, our pharmacy, you know, offers compounding, and, you know, this is what we can do with XYZ, and, you know, are you using any compounding currently? You know, we're an accredited pharmacy, and just kind of getting into the resources we had with uh, PCCA, and from there... Um, you know, I got a really great picture by the time I left um, Austin that year at sales and marketing on what my day-to-day was supposed to look like because that wasn't even anything Steve could explain to me. So being someone like really fresh and green in my role, that was probably some of the best money spent. Um, just being able to hear and see other people that do what I do whether they were a technician or whether they had a degree and they were out marketing, um, you know, five days a week, like I was. So, um, Yeah. I mean, just the relationships grew from there. I think, I think what really helped me and anytime I help train other marketers, I tell them, you know, your existing business is the easiest business to grow. If you're getting business, go meet those people, go learn their family members, go learn when their birthday is, go spend some time with them, learn what their practice is all about, see how you can help them. And really, um, you know, I suggest that for like your top 25 accounts, and that's really, I think, what has, um, you know, helped us is just making sure. And I keep a lot of those physicians on like a three-week rotation that are in our top 25. So I'm making sure I've, I'm in there every three to four weeks, um, seeing most of them and, and being visible and present. So when they have questions, even after I've left and they see me again, they know um, where to find us. And I think they've just kind of gained mutual trust. kind of over the years and and then also seeing me consistently. Um, I know we talked a little bit before the podcast started about turnover and, you know, the eight years I've been here. And I think when you think about that, it's, you know, finding a way to keep your marketer motivated, whether it's um whether it's you know education or whether it's monetary or you know whatever works for them you know you kind of have to figure out how they're wired and and uh Steve does reviews with me every 6 months so we sit down and and um you know we look at things and he's like all right well how are we going to grow to the next level you know and we we come up with a plan and we We work on it and then we reassess every six months and we've had to adjust. We've, we've fallen on our faces before and and that's okay. And, you know, we kind of chalk it up and learn from it and we keep going and, and, you know, find another way to do it. Um, you know, I, I also create a marketing plan every January and it kind of keeps us on track as far as like I help with some of like even the in-store promotion and marketing and stuff like that. So, Um, you know, it's just having a plan, being able to execute it. And then also, um, you know, relying on education and just kind of seeing where you want to go with it.
0: So after six months, when she increased sales, she kept her job. And, and yeah we kept her yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's been retained ever it's only 15 <laughs> that's that's amazing that was the uh, you you passed the original test I don't think you realize it was a test but it was a test
3: yeah no I think we even talked about like we were going to evaluate things after six months if it wasn't well, working go. for him or if it wasn't working for me like that's and you know I think we just saw with like little mar- what little marketing efforts we were doing you know we hadn't even like you know, I hadn't even like held like a hundred person speaker event or anything like that like I do now. And, um, you know, we were able to see the impact.
0: You need to have the passion too, right? If this wasn't something that you believed in or that you really loved, it would have been really hard to communicate, to build relationships, to try to sell to physicians if it just wasn't your thing. So I think it's pretty cool that Steve wanted to know whether or not you had buy-in as well, because Mm -hmm. it probably, relied a lot on your growth. And personally, if it wasn't your thing, you probably would have moved away. So um, that's a really cool example to share too. I think um, another thing that you brought up was the the fact that you focus so heavily on relationship building. And while that's extremely important, being an independent community pharmacist serving a community like Magnolia, how often do you guys work on your value proposition? And how important is that to sell beyond just the relationship side of what you have with those physicians?
1: I mean, I would say it's, it's very big. I mean, because that, that's, once again, I'll go out and say there's other compounders out there. There's other good quality compounders out there. And I think that's probably more so lately our message in terms of, because just like, and I'll just tell you from experience, just like we as pharmacy as a whole are struggling financially at times because of all the pressures that we're under, a lot of our practitioners are underneath the same pressures. And so that relationship's important when you can walk in to say, look, I'm not just here to sell you. I'm not just here to be your compounding pharmacy and I want all your compounds and thanks so much and have a nice day. Part of my job is to go in that practitioner and say, hey, look, I know you're struggling too. I know we have good and bad. I know we have some ups and downs, but we're here to make sure you're successful too. So tell me how we can partner with you to be successful, whether we, come in and help sponsor an event with you to help get more practitioners to come to your practice. Cause yes, that ultimately helps us, but how can we make sure that you're successful, um, in the long run? And really, I think that's probably one of our biggest sales lately is they know we're just like we're committed with our patients. We're also committed to make sure our practitioners are successful also.
2: So, and I'm going to grab a couple of things that you were both talking about. So, uh, you're talking about a value proposition and ensuring that the practice, their practice is also successful. Well, I'm going to turn it back to Haley and say, how are you assisting in that? And what feedback did you get from Steve? And how did you start progressing some of those those programs for these? Because I've been at some of your events and they're pretty awesome. So that's where we kind of want to steer it and see.
3: Kind of where the value proposition is coming from. Yeah. So I guess kind of some of these physicians that are struggling, I mean, you know, whether it's they're not having, you know, as much you know, patients as they'd like in their pharmacy or in their clinic, or whether they're, you know, just struggling marketing or things like that. I mean, I've even sat with a physician for a few hours and showed him how to use Facebook one day. <laughs> um, oh, bless his heart. So, um, you know, so there's just kind of, you just never know what they're dealing with either personally. So it's kind of like, you know, you go into it thinking how you do about that patient that comes up to the pharmacy counter with like a terrible attitude. You know, because they're not feeling well, they're coming to fill their prescription, and then you get the, you 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 bring the prescription to the patient, and you realize what they're getting and what they're dealing with. So it's kind of the same thinking. You know, you don't, you don't really know what you're entering into until you get there. And so I think once they place trust in you, um, you know, they they view you as a resource and. You know, if you can deliver, you're a hero.
1: And one of my early strategies on top of that, before I had Haley, the only way I knew to grow my business was to grow my practitioners that knew how to compound. So I would invite them either to international, because we're close to Houston, which makes it really super easy, or I would invite them to BHRT. And some of the initial practitioners that we we got that knew nothing about compounds are ones that we kind of self-started and self-grew. So we do have a part in terms of making sure they're successful because we're the one that got them started in this whole compound thing in the first right. place. But then we kind of learn from that. And that's the part where you mentioned about how and Haley and I interacted. So once you come on board, I'm like, Haley, you have two choices. You can go out and just find people willy-nilly. Or why don't we do some events? And we talked about this where we bring our own speakers in and we educate them and we kind of self-train them from the get-go. Because that's the other way you can grow your practices is maybe take somebody who's never even heard of compounds or don't know what compounds are and introduce them to something else because nobody else is out there providing this education for them and training them. There's not a big pharma company or nothing like that. And once again, we're not saying a compound is for everybody, but there are those patient population that need something customized. And so if we can train a new doctor and next thing you know, we got a doctor we never got anything from. And next thing you know, they send us 15 prescriptions a month. Well, then, hey, guess what? We just opened up a new doorway we didn't have before. And that allows you to grow that one. And it never fails. We, there's one practitioner, we just started out with a little bit of compounds. And it's like every time we show them something new, now all their patients, instead of being on two things, I mean, one thing, now they're on two things, and now they're on three things because they've had such good success. But that's kind of how you ask a way to grow things. And that's just kind of, kind of how things started. So
0: those, uh, those sample formulas that potentially do stick out, and they obviously resonate with a lot of physicians. How long did it take... Uh, to identify those specific formulations or those compounds and then hand deliver them to Haley and then have her go basically in the field and start promote them. And obviously that was probably a big part of your growth and your success as well.
1: And, and that's been the thing. It, it's kind of funny. Just recently, we just had this discussion. I've, we've got a couple formulas and I actually, I, I presented them at Durham actually last year at Concierge Congress. I've just got a couple offices. It's like, It's just become their bread and butter that they do for every patient. The automatics. Right. And it's just, it's been pretty amazing, but it's kind of funny. You'll go to another practice and you'll say, man, I have this formula. You have got to try this. This is a home run. And they'll be like, "Yeah, okay, whatever. So, I mean, it's that's really frustrating sometimes, but that's been – and yeah. my whole thing has been, and I, we talked to Haley about this all the time, is that when I see something that we kind of put out there and then we get a refill on it, we get two refills on it, three, nobody's going to spend money on something that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So, all of a sudden, when we start getting refills, and I'm like, wait a minute, this stuff must really be working. We tried this, and next thing you know, it just takes off. And then some of the ones, like you said, the wildfire ones, those are the tried and trues. And I'm like, Haley, go market this one to X, Y, Z positions because you can't go wrong. <laughs> But we, you know, knock on wood, a lot of our results we've had have been really, really good. And so it makes it easy for Haley to go out and, you know, sell on the results that we've seen. So,
0: How much has changed from 2011 to 2019? And it's not only just with your interaction in your relationship, but how much has changed in, in maybe the overall approach and patient outcomes and things that you're doing now versus that you were doing seven years ago?
3: I think we're a lot more effective. <laughs> Well, that's good. <laughs> I think would be one thing. Um, I think our. I think I, I. think we know what we need from each other a lot more than we did when I initially started. So when we sit down and he delivers a new formula to me, I know like five or six questions to ask immediately. Okay, so how does it work? How do you want me to sell it? Um, how much is it going to cost the patient? You know what is the therapeutic benefit in in comparison to, you know, what's, you know, either an alternative is something commercially available or maybe something they failed and tried before or something like that. Um, and then, you know, do we have the chemical in the lab? Is it already loaded? (laughs) You know, all those good questions now that I know to ask, so we don't create like a, uh, a a perfect storm. So I think. Over-promise
2: and under-deliver. Exactly.
3: Exactly. So I think, and then delivering realistic expectations too. I mean, I totally, um, know when Steve brings me new things and we're communicating about marketing, you know, how long it's going to take something new to, you know, get off the ground and, and market to new physicians. So I think, I think in that retrospect, things have changed a lot, but I mean, I think there's been a number of things that have really kind of contributed to that growth, but I know Steve's probably got even more thought on that.
1: Yeah. I would say in terms of our relationship and how it's grown and what's gotten better, I would definitely think we're more, we're more efficient with our time for sure. Like Haley mentioned, I, we probably don't, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The first couple of years, we pretty much met almost every Monday and Friday for probably two years straight. I mean, we never, Missed a meeting just because I felt like it was important for me for her to be successful. And that was one of the big questions I had early on for her is what do you need this week to be successful? What do you need this month to be successful? Because I I don't know. I mean, to be honest. And at this point now, we pretty much have our system down that we know what it takes. She now has the computer she needs or the software sales program she needs, which before we didn't have any of that. Um, I would say the other thing that's been critical as time's gotten, we have a lot better communication with me, her and our staff. In terms of maybe the lab gets backed up a little bit haley has a chance to go out and communicate that we're about to do a remodel she's already out promoting and and marketing saying hey there's going to be a time in the next several months we're going to have a lag time on compounds that we don't normally have i think that's also important and the other thing i think it's important for a pharmacy and a marketer to be in communication about is just how each of them are doing i'm very open with haley about her performance But it's also important for us to promote and put quality product out there and have good turnaround. Because she can go out and market till the cows come home. But if if we're not putting out good quality product or they're constantly negative feedback to doctors or we're not following up when we get prescriptions, it's going to make her look horrible. And I think that's one of the reasons why she works really hard. Because she knows we work really hard at the pharmacy to make her look good in the field and vice versa. And I would say that's something that probably gets overlooked in a lot of sales and marketing pharmacy relationships that I think is ultra critical because we have the opportunity to make her look really good or really, really bad and vice versa. She can go out and maybe not sell us that good and we can do a wonderful job, but we're really never going to grow. And I think that's important.
0: What are some of the challenges you faced in your learning curve, both together um, and things that you wish maybe, or it's potential advice, right? And things that you had potentially would have done differently.
3: Yeah, so that's a great question. I think initially um, it's easy to take, you know, you're, you're motivated, but then it's also when you're, you're not as familiar with the industry, it's also easy to take no as an answer. So I think, um, you know, really as I've gotten my feet wet in the industry, I figured out, you know, kind of what a good uh, potential client looks like as a physician, and, and how much time to spend with them or not spend with them. I think I figured out pretty quickly, like, where to utilize my resources as far as, like, scheduling lunches and lunch and learns. Like, I can see the value in the clinic a lot quicker. Um, I think I I know just, I don't know, it just made me more well-rounded, I guess, over time. Um, just kind of the more and more you do something, I guess it's kind of through repetition and, and you know, just finding out where to Send our resources, I guess, is the best best thing that I think I've had.
1: As, as far as a an learning owner curve. and growth, I, my initial was, how do I pay for her? I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm not going to lie. I mean, that was yeah. definitely a challenge. And you uh, made
0: the investment right away as well. Yeah, and we yeah. did.
1: And, and But then also, too, it turns into how do you – because like I told you, what motivates her to do her best every day? I mean, she's a good, caring, honest person. That's why she's successful. But she's motivated by different things than me as a pharmacist. It's just a fact. She's got a sales brain. I've got a drug, medical, chemical brain. And that was a challenge for me was to kind of keep her motivated and create a system that she wants to come work and she wants to do what she can to make sure we're successful every day. Um, and that, I think, has worked really, really well. Uh, to me was, one, finding the resources that she needed initially. Right. And then also, to how to make it where I can afford it. How, what's a realistic budget for her to spend each month? And then how has that budget grown over time? Because, I mean, this is it's all great to say, oh, we got a marketing and everything's great. It's pie in the sky. But we'd be lying. We've had our ups and downs. Um, it's been a challenge trying to figure out what the spin could be, what can I afford? Cause I'm not gonna lie. We initially created a bonus salary structure that she, she grew so much. She almost grew herself out of a job and it's hard when you have to have a sit down with somebody and say, Hey, look, I, that's not Let's the figure out something <laughs> else. Right? But that, that's not how pharmacy is right now. I wish it was. And I'm not gonna lie. There was a lot of things going on at the time that there was a lot of skew things in the industry that made unrealistic how we practice, how others practice that we, I couldn't compete with that. But the one thing I think I, I think as a draw for Haley or as a marketing, especially with her marketing background, is this is kind of the way I sold the job when she got there. I said, you obviously love sales and marketing. That's what you went to school to do. But the awesome thing is you don't have to go to work for some big corporation that puts you in a box and says, this is how you have to practice. Now do it this way or else. I was like, look, you have free reigns to go whatever I, whatever I can afford. You have free reigns to go out and be a sales and marketing person however you want to. So, hey, go do it. I'm fine with that. The results are going to speak for themselves. If I see things that are wrong, I'll rein you back in. But other than that, you have the ability to do what you want to do for a living with basically like you have a blank color book. Go to town because, I mean, that's kind of where it was.
0: And How cool really is that, of, coming out of school and getting that type of job?
3: I mean, it was really neat, but I'd also had a lot of that creative freedom before. So it was attractive to me to just kind of be able to continue that because I was an intern at a um, luxury student housing Um I was a marketing intern for luxury student housing. So, you know, coming from that and being able to creatively go out and kind of, you know, paint the word about this community and, you know, thinking I could do the same thing still, you know, with my own, you know, marketing flair education, it, it was attractive because I know there's a lot of, can be a lot of red tape being a pharmaceutical rep, you know, it's like... You know, I know I actually did work in pharmaceuticals for about six months. Um, My husband took a job and I left the pharmacy, but I came back as quick as I could. (laughs) He um, went to medical device and I will tell you, it was miserable. (laughs) I mean, from just having so many different people to report to, to... Um, I couldn't even have a physician's email address. I mean, there's no way that I can I can even accomplish what we accomplish on a daily basis without a physician's email address. I mean, you know, we send formulas back and forth. We, you know, talk about therapeutic options. We send articles and, you know, research from PubMed and try to make sense of things so much through email. I mean, it just felt like so regulated and very hard to even achieve what I I you know, had hoped and career wise, um, you know, wanted to attain. So that was the hardest thing, I think. Um, And, you know, Steve's right, that creative, you know, freedom for someone who does have a marketing and sales background, um, or doesn't, you know, it's, it's great not to feel like, you know, the person that you are reporting to is so far away, but also vested in your um, success. So
1: but it would be a little scary coming out of school, going to work from little some little small mom and pop shop. And <laughs> so right. I, I can understand that too, but I kinda want that nice corporate job. So but, I mean I, yeah. I understand that. that big yeah, would be a big I cushy
2: mean, salary, big okay. cushy photos, okay. but yeah. or creative freedom. Yeah, and and well I mean like and, 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 thing that, thing and that and that was one is. of the
1: things we discussed. I was like, and that and honestly from the day once you came, I was like, I have no clue what your job is here. I just know what I need you to do. And here's the tools. I'll help you along the way. I'm, I'm, I walk, we'll walk hand in hand and we'll figure it out. And that's just kind of how it's been. And you, and you are right. You do have to hire the right person. I mean, it, it, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of great marketers out there, but to me it was more finding the people skills and what I wanted in a person and then basically shaping it. And it, it's, it's kind of like you here at PCCA. You, your company works on creating a good, positive uh, career-building environment, I've kind of seen that in your culture, and that's that's kind of something that we've emulated at the store, because you're right. I mean, if we just did sales, and that's all she did, but it's also, too, I want her to grow as her career grows so that she can learn new things and, and do the best she can. So
2: so I, I've, I've been really fortunate that I've worked with your team a couple of times. Um, you, you were really gracious, and I was allowed to come to one of your events and see it. So Bring me through how you've gone from walking into a pharmacy, and, or sorry, into a physician's office and saying, Hi, we're doing compounding, to, Hey, we're going to host 100 physicians and we've got speakers. How is that growth and how do you execute that sort of level? And Steve, you, how do you execute at that level? Because you're, you're both equally responsible <laughs> at that point.
1: Well, I mean, part, part of medicine nowadays is practitioners they're starving for education too um and we get a lot of functional integrative questions so as long as you start asking something it starts fostering and the next thing in the conversation is well how can i learn more about that well that's a good segue into hey by the way we're either we're having an event at our store or we're bringing in a speaker and that's kind of what we do i mean we've kind of polled, and you know there's big hot topic items like uh like BHRT, there's big hot topics like thyroid, but like one of the things like we've had an opportunity and this is something I we did a long time ago is we just like somebody like Pam Smith, I saw her day a him conference. and said, hey, would you be interested in ever coming down to Houston and giving a talk? And she's like, sure, because when, I mean, I'm an expert on a lot of things, but when we bring in a name, that's people, oh my God, that's Pam Smith. The ones that know her are more than willing to come, and that's been a home run. So at that point is, like, we come up with the ideas, and then it's like, okay, here, Haley, go do what you got to do. So, Haley, you can kind of take it from there. So
3: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, let me tell you, it's it's a long process. It's not easy. I mean, we probably start planning at least close to a year out anytime I do something like this, but... Um, Even new physicians I'm meeting with, I'm gathering email addresses as I'm visiting with them over Lunch and Learns, letting them know it'll be coming within the next year. Um, I send out email blasts. I utilize some, like, email marketing tools, and then um, I set up, like, online registration through our site. Um, Depending on the speaker, sometimes I have to do paid or non-paid events. It's just kind of been – we've just kind of – and sometimes on our budget, too, we kind of determine – and then we've done enough of these now. I kind of know about 20% normally doesn't show up if you don't pay. So that way we're not like miserably paying overpaying for food. Um, so it's just kind of things like that you learn over time. Um you know, And it's just really spreading the word. The email blasts have been a home run. I think when I first started, it used to be that I'd have to fax, I'd have to visit them in person and email blast them. Now I just really do the email blast and visit them a lot in person, um, not as many like fax. Um, and then sometimes if I'm not even getting the response, I'd like closer to the event about three weeks out, I get on the phone. I'll spend a whole day at home on the phone and I'll, I'll call every office manager in every office and uh, see if they can block a schedule and get a physician there. Um, I've also showed up and asked for the physician and the office staff and, uh, with an iPad and registered them myself in clinic. So, I mean, it's just kind of doing whatever you have to do to get them there. You know, they're so inundated with their, day-to-day schedules you know your email blast is just one of a million sometimes too so you know it's just kind of being heard and then I think also having the the credibility and trust that we have in the community now I mean they've seen us do these events enough of times now and bring in enough credible names that when we do send that email blast, they're kind of looking for it and, and, and I would anticipating agree with yeah Cause it, yeah. I
1: mean, we like our first one we ever did was Pam Smith. I'm like, if we're going to do this. Let's do it big. But I mean, we did our first one, but we had 80 physicians. I think that that was the one thing at the college. Yeah. We had like 80 physicians. And I think it's been since then, once you kind of practitioners see that, Hey, they're not joking they're going to bring quality because nobody has two hours to waste on an evening on something like that. And I think that's been good. And once again, Even if we have to spend whatever we have to spend to get a practitioner to come speak, if I can just get one or two practitioners out of there to start writing compounds, it pays for the event. So at that point, everything else is really bonus. And it's really not that hard if you bring in quality speakers and yeah. and, and educate. And that's and, kind of been our thing.
3: And then I also normally get three to four vendors that each contribute about $350 to $500, too, to help cover our cost, whether we have to have the speaker flown in or not. I've been trying to piggyback having our speakers come in around other speaking arrangements already in Houston so we don't have to pay travel costs. But... Um, a lot of the times, you know, I'll get other supplement vendors or um, testing companies or, or people we even utilize through our pharmacy that are, we're clients of to um, help phys- help offset some of the cost of having these speaker events because they can be a pretty penny sometimes.
1: And Haley knows that. I think the networking for her has been her biggest asset over the last yes. several years that's really grown things is her networking with other other like you said whether it be supplement companies or whatever else in the area because they know all these doctors too and so it's easy for hey have you seen this doctor or i haven't it, that's been yes. i think that's been a high i high will on. have
3: to tell you i probably at least speak to another representative from a supplement testing or um you know any other type of company at least two to three times a day So, you know, we're communicating. A lot of us share similar territories, have similar accounts. I hardly ever do a cold call, a true cold call anymore because, um, you know, we all pull from each other's resources and accounts and stuff. Um, If I just have a really great, happy client in a certain building and I see another account, that is very applicable. to what we're trying to grow, I'll go in there and cold call. But most of the time, all my leads come from, you know, kind of a pulled – Sharing of resources amongst other representatives in a similar industry.
2: Well, yeah, you've you've got overlap. You're, you're working with a testing company, supplements. You're working with accessory yeah. to your yeah primary practice, and it, it makes sense to to share that sort of resource with with others, right? Yeah, and
3: they'll call me and say, you know, I got this doctor set up with supplements, but he got in his you know blood work the other day for a hormone panel for a patient, doesn't know where to start. Can you guys come help coach them some on on you know? therapeutically like what what might be a good place to start
1: and and (laughs) that's the thing is i'll I'll go dedicate an hour's worth of time to go over like the the doctors or the staff members but i think they respect that and they're like oh okay when i get the next one i mean because i don't want to do all their hormone consults or whatever else but if i can get inroads with one or two of them a practitioner or his wife or one of their staff members then lots of times it turns in and the next thing you know i don't know things just take off that that way it's just like i said it's about relationships to be honest so
0: yeah these two have provided gold. <laughs> like, I think everything I'm, I'm they've just shared, all right yeah. now, like oh man, every single thing that they've shared, not only has touched on questions that we've had, but it puts somebody in the, in the right frame of mind of what to do next. So I yeah. think not only is your eg- example and your story commendable because everyone can understand the fact that there's a relationship here with two individuals that have worked together for eight years. You've grown your business. You've grown in the role. Um, you can pretty much call yourself a master at marketing right now because of the success that you both have found. Um, you, you both touched on something really cool and important. It'll probably be our final question. Um, you made the investment in Haley early on in education and in access to things that we've provided as a company. You've mentioned speaking to clinical services and our consulting team and learning and leaning on them as professionals to give you more of that expertise in the field. What other tools has PCCA made available to you and how have you maximized your PCCA membership in a way that has helped grow your practice from a marketing point of view? Because we talk about that in one of of our other marketing episodes is that there are so many things that we can give you as part of PCCA membership that will grow your business. It's hard to see when you're not a member, but when you are a member that has experience with us you truly understand that there's resources available to you. So what resources have you capitalized on and what have you used? Each one of you, I guess, because there's some tools that are yeah. available to Steve and some tools are available to you. So, and they could have merged as well. So what has what stood out as being tools and resources that anybody could really capitalize and maximize the value of PCC membership?
1: Well, I would start with PCD. The thing that I found is the more relationship, the more providers you get comfortable with and they get comfortable with you, then they start sending you questions. I start sending you pictures. And there's a lot of these conditions and things I've, I've never heard of, <laughs> never seen. And it's like, whoa, okay. So I pick up the phone and call PCD and say, hey, do you have anything on file? Has anybody ever tried that? Um, you know, it's being part of my concierge group. I shoot out an email to my concierge group and say, hey, has anybody seen this? Um, so that's something that comes from PCCA. I would say a lot of our biggest, newest things that we do in the pharmacy evolve around your new product releases, whether it be a new base, whether they be a new trokey product, whether they be something like that. So a lot of our new thing is, hey, look, this is a new tool in our toolbox because, once again, we will come to events, we'll learn about them, and I'm like, okay, how can that fit in practice? How can we either take something we already do and make it better? Um, I would say a big thing for workflow for our lab that's huge is the new BUD studies and that type of stuff so that we can expand BUD so we can become more effective. So, you know, one thing we watch in our lab is I want to make the fewest amount of formulas and produce the most amount of prescriptions. And so to make our lab the most effective, the BUD dating stuff is really important. I mean, beyond, like you said, quality chemicals and the education events, I mean, the things you already mentioned those are just things that were right off the top of my head that are huge in terms of my membership with PCCA that basically I feel like is definitely that puts me ahead of most people that gives me easy access, quick access to be successful.
3: I mean, you guys have given me credibility. I mean, I, Without having a a technical report or a study to take into a doctor's office to sell a compound, I mean, I probably wouldn't be where we are today. I mean, having those documents and resources, and then also with, you know, PCD and and letting us borrow people to speak and, you know, just creating credibility outside of, you know, what we're doing inside of our pharmacy and, you know, having a story behind where our chemicals come from and, um, you know, what, what, studies have been done on on what we're trying to sell I mean there would be no way I could I mean I probably spend four days a week in a printing company printing your your documents and materials to take to um physicians offices so that when I'm having a meeting they have something tangible to look at that's got some science behind it
0: how often are you on our website
3: oh god
0: is it bookmarked <laughs> on every device?
3: Uh, <laughs> probably. And, you know, I will say that um, I rely a lot on the pharmacy staff when I'm out in the field. But, I mean, probably at least two to three times a day I'm on your site looking up materials or doing something Do with Do you them. utilize the blog? I'm just curious. So I don't. I'm not as familiar with the blog. Um, I... And now that we've talked, and you called it Mortar and pestle, I have utilized the podcast. I've heard. I've heard the first. I think yeah, one or two you guys seminar. did. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, you drive yeah. around a
2: lot. You might as well listen to interesting people. You're not people. kidding.
3: You're not kidding. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you guys have given me credibility. You've given us resources beyond measure. I mean, and then also, um, I did a huge marketing. Um, symposium to some dermatologists, um, back in December, they asked me to come to their, um, the Houston Dermatological Society meeting. I mean, within hours, you guys had um, emailed me back, sent me, um, gotten together like 120 samples for all these physicians so that they could have something tangible to look at and all these technical reports on all the bases that we use. And I was, just, you know, having it all there and ready, and it was just uh, really amazing. So, I mean, you guys, had, I wouldn't be where I was today without the resources you guys have given us.
1: Yeah, we, we have pharmacy students that actually come through and utilize PCCA play. I make them watch the video on all the bases and things so that – they have an understanding. So when they see it on the label, it's XYZ base or such and such trochee base or whatever it is, something is an SR capsule, they can easily know what that is without me having to spend all my time trying to explain to them. Because it is, once again, just like somebody from the outside world, even though they're a P four pharmacy student, they have no clue about all this stuff, so they have to learn, and it just makes my job easier to be able to either hand them the marketing handouts for physicians, or actually go online to PCCA play and watch some of that information.
0: Yeah, that's another great suggestion: is educational content that's available on an online portal. So, I think you pretty much hit everything. You guys have taken the time to drive all the way here to headquarters, and I know it's March break. I'm going to obviously allude to the time that we were recording this podcast, but we have our marketing and sales symposium coming up at the end of April. You guys have taken the time out of your schedule to come all the way here and record with us. We cannot thank you enough Mm -hmm. because you've offered so much advice and so much hope to those that think that it might be a daunting task, but proof is in the pudding that you've, uh, you've made it a success and it's, it's an amazing relationship and we really wanted to showcase it because not only of its uniqueness because of how important it is for your growth and for the growth of all pharmacies out there, for those that hopefully will make that commitment. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank Thank you very much. Yeah, this is absolutely amazing having you here. And I can't say thank you
2: as well because I think I asked you about a week and a half ago (laughs) if you guys could take some time out of your busy schedule and come down and be our guests. So as a personal thank you. Amazing, it's amazing all, job! Well, it's all part, for all the part of that triad, man. We yeah. don't have to work together. Yeah. No, sure. I, mean, <laughs> I, I
0: brought the triad on almost every episode, <laughs> and here you go again. All with... <laughs> the way that I'll end it. But um, as always, thank you to all of our listeners out there that have tuned into this episode of The Mortar and Pestle. Just as a quick reminder to please subscribe to the blog. I'm looking at you, Haley. So you do not miss any content that is shared on our blog. Uh, Don't forget to please like and subscribe to this podcast as well so that you don't miss an episode. Until next time, my name is Mike Delisio and thanks for listening.
3: The views and therapies expressed in this podcast episode are those of the guest and may not be endorsed by PCCA. The statements are provided for educational purposes only. They have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration and are not to be interpreted as a promise, guarantee, or claim of therapeutic efficacy or safety. The information contained herein is not intended to replace or substitute for conventional medical care or encourage its
1: abandonment.